Hi, welcome to JP Morgan TV. I'm Tom Salopek from Cross Asset Strategy. I'm joined by my colleagues, Ralph Sapel, Managing Director of Macro Synergy, Dobromir Chachev, a head of Cross Asset Systematic Research, and Fred Giersch from the Structuring Desk, focusing on Cross Asset Strategy and also machine learning. Hi, all. Welcome to the program. Uh, let's hear first from Ralph uh, about Macro Synergy's efforts. Uh, just to, uh, for the backdrop, We've just had a, a situation where uh, the high for long theme has, has gotten a bit stronger. At the same time, we have geopolitical risk in, in, in the Middle East. Uh, and, and of course, there's the, the ongoing issue of how the data has swung in extreme ways in the post-COVID period, not to mention huge revisions in, in the data. As an example, I would mention the most recent jobs report in the U.S. where we've had ongoing revisions. So let's hear first from Ralph Sapel. Uh, about macro synergies efforts to deal with this stuff. I think we're by now best known for the JP Morgan Micro Synergy Quantum Mental System, which is a service that just makes it very easy to um, research and backtest um, macro fundamentals based trading strategies. This was quite impossible for people or very difficult, very expensive for people a couple of years back. Um, but with the event of JP Max, um, we can integrate macro quantum mental indicators into our trading strategy development in the same way um, in which we have been using um, price data for um, for the better part of two decades. So just to be clear, macro quantum mental indicators, um, they represent information states of the market with respect to macroeconomic um, developments, activity, balance sheets, and sentiment. And th these indicators are very different from regular economic time series in so far as um, they are based solely on information that is available at the time um, of the recording of the data. Regular economic time series tell you what was growth, inflation, and so forth in an individual month in the past. Macroquantum mental series tell you what was growth, inflation, and so forth that was visible to the market at any point in time in the in the past, what did the market know at any point in the past about growth, inflation, and so forth, based on the time series that were available at that moment. And therefore, JP Max is based on what we call vintages. So sequences of time series, um, almost a little bit like a time machine. You go back and you say, what did an analyst, what did the market look at at any given point in time? Based on Z-series, we build the indicators, and because the indicators are point in time with daily frequency, it's very easy to align them with subsequent price or return developments. In other words, in the past, when we did this type of research, when we wanted to know how was the systematic relationship between economic situations and the performance of asset markets, we had to do a vast amount of research, produce a lot of historical vintages. Um, and if we didn't do that, we didn't really know whether we had the right information states. Now we can do all of that in a few minutes, a few hours maybe, if you are not that experienced, um, with JP Max in a simple Python environment. Thanks, Ralph. Let, let's turn to Dobromir now and talk about how we use the data before, how we think the data is evolving, and and also what's changed with the arrival of, of JP Max. Yeah, we. I think we have to be frank and to to say that most, at least in the past few years, uh, most of the effort was uh, based on strategies which are based on time series data, uh, and namely price levels, and the main reason was that. 
for for such um, an effort was that uh, price data was readily available and it's easy to access. And uh, there were also, frankly speaking, strategies which were which were doing the job well, and there was no need. Uh, sometimes investors were not under pressure to innovate too much. And um, I have to say that at best, maybe some strategies, we can call them uh, that the design level, we made them uh, macro aware that we, we were monitoring some, let's say regimes, the typical, uh, for example, growth inflation regime, uh, being aware of the performance of different strategies in those regimes and so on. And um, not that there was not an effort to, to use macro data, but most probably if I get a penny for every time a junior inspiring quant was coming to me, showing me a fantastic backtest using macro data. And later we do a few iterations and we find out that the data was restated. Um, so for us really, uh, the arrival of JP Marks has been a kind of a, a game changer in the sense that now with the point in time feature of JP Marks, we can really produce, produce reliable back tests. And um, this coupled with the ease of access to the data uh, really uh, offers us an opportunity to bridge the gap between, let's say, discretionary macro and systematic. And we know that even, even now, let's say, many of the investors, they still, when they talk about systematic macro, actually, they mean some kind of a CTA with a, a bit of a carry strategies combined. And uh, I think having uh, access to data sets like JP Max, we can really talk about uh, basically systematic macros, systematic strategies, which are based on using uh, macro data. Well, as you know, Dobromir, the bad back tests end up in the garbage. We only end up seeing the good back tests, of course, right? Yes, yes. Um, well, well, let's let's turn to, to Fred now. Let, let's hear about uh, uh, your general thinking about JP Max from, from the structuring point of view. If you have endless amount of time and an endless amount of uh, dedication, obviously anything is possible and you can create whatever you like. And, and uh, with the experience that I have in the, in the buy side where we traded things with macro inputs, you obviously need to spend an enormous amount of time on cleaning the data. And it's not just about the point in time characteristics, which basically there is no other good data set out there. It's the fact that if you're trying to do something, it's not just one time series, you need to stitch everything together. And the fact that we never mention anything like seasonal adjustments here, it's just taken for granted. And that's the good thing. We don't need to bother with all of those machineries in there. And then you can obviously spend the time on, on building the strategies and, and building out the ideas and understanding what the alpha and, and what the risk premium actually comes from, which is the crucial point from, from, from a strategic point of view and from what we do in QIS and in structuring, trying to build good strategies that not just has a good backtest, that's not the point, that actually has the ability to continue to work. So this opens up, uh, exactly like Robert was saying, it opens up a wealth of new opportunities where we don't need to just rely on prices. We can do things such as fundamental value, as an example, to understand where the fair value of, of uh, yields could be. So that's one of the products we have. Another product is the time traveler, which wouldn't be possible without the JP Max data, to be completely honest. So in that product, what we're trying to do is basically identify what our economy today looks like in terms of history. 
So we're trying to capture whether or not today looks like 1993 or 1969. And without being able to understand what the economy actually looks like today or in the past, it would be very difficult to do. So it opens up a lot of different new possibilities, basically. Thanks, Fred. Let's turn back to Dobromir. So, so Dobromir, now let's get into the weeds a bit and talk about your concrete implementation. I mean, one thing that I always bring up is this idea that, you know, post-GFC, a lot of strategies struggled in a world where interest rate differentials were, were compressed. Now that uh, interest rates have risen immensely after the hiking cycle, and also you, you have a couple disconnects where, let's say, U.S. exceptionalism causes some stress here or there, and uh, it limits, uh, you know, let's say, for example, the ability for, for, for EM countries to cut as much as they would like, or they, they, they put pressure elsewhere in terms of de-anchoring yields. So maybe you could talk about your, your recent specific efforts to come up with strategies related to, to JP Max and how all these kind of themes tie into this. To be honest, most probably before the spike in inflation, uh, there was a bit of complacency about the impact of macro data. We, we had this period of low interest rates, low inflation, where things on the macro side were most probably not moving too much, not too volatile. And with the post-COVID developments, basically, we had a bit of awakening uh, and uh, better realization of the importance of, uh, of macro data. And on the research side, I think one concrete implementation which we did was uh, to design a rates value strategy. And uh, of, of the JP Max data set has been very handy because um, what we can do is to access the data in an automatic way and select the most relevant factors at different points in time, uh, which explain uh, the drivers of the, of the uh, different uh, rates market in different countries. And uh, really for us, uh, basically JP Max uh, offers the opportunity for plug and play. Uh, so exactly to have this iterative approaches, uh, I wouldn't call them machine learning, but pretty close to machine learning approaches where we can go through a lot of relevant macro data, uh, select the most important factors, which also uncorrelated arrive at a fair value and also backtest uh, relying on the point in time feature, uh, correctly backtest that we have predictability from the deviation of the fair value to the actual change, uh, change in the rates market. So the, this has been one one implementation which we are quite uh, quite uh, um, happy about, and also we think it's quite timely because uh, obviously we had uh, the upward moves in rates when can have a rates momentum strategy and most probably uh, though the fundamental is supporting such a strategy, you don't need to perhaps to worry too much about uh, designing a macro strategy around it. But now we're at a period where obviously uh, there is a lot of discussion. Are rates, uh, have we reached the peak in rates or uh, in which countries we have reached the peak and so on. So basically uh, this uh, the use of macro data gives us quite additional insights about uh, about where the direction of the of the markets. And I would say another another asset class where we had quite successful applications have been uh, FX. Uh, those applications were done mainly by our colleagues in the FX strategy team. But FX as a relative value asset is quite uh, 
fertile ground for for applying macro data and uh, obviously all the uh, even in the past people using let's say spreads in gdp growth spreads in inflation terms of trade all those uh, all those macro indicators are extremely relevant in the fx space great thanks dobromir let's turn back to fred so Fred, tying back into what Dobromir's just been talking about, do you see it as a promising time right now? I mean, from my perspective, you know, it was not a great time in, in the post-QE period in the sense that, you know, if you are in the, the TINA environment, you're kind of mechanically pushed into stocks. Obviously now maybe we'll have a little bit more volatility on a forward-looking basis, but at the same time, maybe the asset class trade-offs are a little bit more, more interesting so, so do you think it's a promising time right now for QIS, generally speaking? And maybe you can talk through some of your concrete implementations of how you're using JP Max right now to express that. Yeah, I mean, generally speaking, I think that macro is going to be a lot more important. It's obviously more important now, but also for the next 10 years than what it was in the previous 10 years, if you will. Um, we're starting to see an economy that has um, similarities to different periods of the past. Again going a little bit to this this time traveler framework that we're we've been working on but we're now starting to see similarities that we can maybe actually exploit so if you're able to do that would it mean that all other market participants know that well probably not and what we see is that people tend to not understand those relationships fully and then you obviously need to look at the macro you need to capture that and you need to to have a framework to do that so i i I would definitely say that macro is, is more important than ever, basically. Um, in terms of QIS in general, uh, I think it's a, a, a environment that is probably better suited in general for, for QIS strategies going forward. I mean, if we just think about it very generally, most strategies out there, all the classical strategies, there are basically, if you will, found 20, 30 years ago, in the environment that we're now entering, basically. And that should be some type of good proof for them actually working in the way they intend to work, if you will, and relying on them being risk premium. It doesn't matter if it's priced or not, because we're exposed to the risk that that environment has, basically. Some of the things we see today is we think that we're entering this, obviously, and then continuing this higher for longer period. So if we go back to this time traveler framework, it's been signaling for uh, an extended period of time that we we are going to see even higher yields. And obviously, we have already seen a big rise in 30-year yields, etc. And it signaled that on the basis of similar periods of the past that we saw, and that actually led to the same outcome. So I think that's pretty interesting and a, a very interesting application of the JPMAX data. Thanks, Fred. Let's wrap things up by turning to Ralph to tie this all together. Ralph, we're getting a lot of traction with clients, uh, you know, both on the research and structuring side, you know, looking at stuff, of course, uh, as mentioned, rates, value, time traveler, cross-asset economic trend. Just curious to hear your, your reaction to, to what you're hearing in terms of how your work is being applied. I mean, we've been applying quant macro data in terms of actual <clears throat> asset management for decades. So that's the relevant experience that MacroSynergy brought to the table in this project. And nevertheless, I, I feel humbled when I look at the breadth and depth of applications that we have already seen in the first few months in which JP Max is officially out in production stage. So one of the things I've learned is 
But even we didn't fully understand the depth and the, 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 the breadth, the horizon, the scope of changes that the ready availability of daily macro information stage will have on the systematic investment world. In fact, the quintessential point is the following. We used to think collectively as an industry that macro is for discretionary trading mainly because it applies more judgment and also because quite frankly, many quants don't have a natural affinity to macroeconomics. I think what we have learned by now is that the opposite is closer to the truth because quantum mental macro information is consistently relevant, but is seasonal, which means, you know, a business cycle indicator only matters if there's a real cycle going on. Uh, external vulnerability only matters if deficits get large and shocks occur. Because macro is inherently seasonal, it is much better suited for systematic, consistent approaches than the more shorter-term oriented classical trading approaches. Systematic strategies can do two things that discretionary traders struggle with. The first is they can, they can hang in. They can go through periods where a factor is out of season. The second thing, which is even more powerful, they can combine a broad range of macro factors into a single strategy for the related asset class. Yeah, um, Because you can digest a lot more information all the time consistently, you can bring in growth, inflation, fiscal, fiscal policy, terms of trade, external balances, you name it all into your model, evaluating it consistently, and thereby digest a lot more information than a discretionary trader can. This alone illustrates the power of macro-quantum mental for systematic trading strategies. And I think the paradigm will change over time, and we will come to the conclusion that systematic is a lot more powerful in using macro than discretionary. So thanks, Ralph, for wrapping things up. And, and thank you as well, Dovermeer and Fred, for joining us. Thank you all for tuning in to JP Morgan TV.